Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Veterinary Journal Club. Um, I know I say this a lot, but we're doing something different today. Um, we were approached by some folks um, at a startup company called Vet Measure um, that wanted to talk about um, their product, and uh, it's a group who makes uh, wearable monitoring devices for right now dogs. And uh, and so I have Kevin Mayer and Sydney C. Kevin Mayer is the, the founder of Vet Measure and Sydney C. is the director of operations. Um, and we talk a little bit about their product and kind of how it came about and what they're doing. And, um, and so, I, you know, I'm not I am not familiar with their uh, the product before we chatted about it, and uh, I'm not endorsing it in any way. I didn't get paid for this. This wasn't anything like that. It was just, hey, some people who are doing some cool stuff in veterinary medicine and want to talk about what they're doing. Um, so that's what we chat about, and uh, give it a listen. We'll have their contact information if you want to learn more um, available on Instagram and on our uh, podcast website. So um, hope you'll enjoy, and if you have other ideas um, for things like this you want us to talk about, send the information our way. Hi, and welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. Um, for today's discussion, I am very happy to welcome some folks from a, uh, a young company in veterinary medicine called Vet Measure. Um, so I have with me uh, Kevin. You know what? I didn't even double check that. Is it Meyer or Mayer? Mayer. Mayer. Okay. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I should have done that before we started, huh? And, mm -hmm. uh, and Sydney C. Um, so um, I, I'll probably let each of you guys uh, introduce yourselves and, and just tell me a little bit about, you know, who you are and, and you know, briefly what your role is. And then we're going to get into, you know, talking about what you guys do at Vet Measure. So Kevin, do you want to get started? Sure. Kevin Mayer is my name and I'm uh, the founder of Vet Measure. We're based in Ames, Iowa. And our technology um, is aimed at the uh, veterinary uh, practice level uh, initially for uh, automated uh, remote monitoring of patients, uh, beginning with canine. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot to go into with that. that that's a huge, <laughs> a, a huge area. And so we're going to talk a lot more about that. Sydney, tell, tell us your role. Yes. Absolutely. My name is Sydney C. And then I am the operations manager at Vet Measure. I've been there for about a year now. So it's been super fun experience uh, learning how to how veterinarians will adapt to new technology in the future. Um, and then I graduated from Iowa State University with my animal science degree and a minor in business. So yeah, excellent. That sounds like a good combination for what you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, here's what I want to know. Um, you know, you're you're a new company. I hadn't heard of you um, previously, and so um, Kevin, as the founder, maybe you want to just share with folks. You know, how did this get started? Um, tell me how you got into this. You know, where did the idea come from? You know, maybe a little bit about your background um, in the veterinary world. Yes, I'm. Um, my background really is uh, bringing technology, new technologies to veterinary medicine for my career. And uh, prior to uh, starting Vet Measure uh, th three and a half years ago, uh, I started a company back in the early 2000s that is called Global VetLink, uh, GVL. That's a re regulatory uh, web-based uh, SaaS business for regulatory compliance. And that's for moving animals across state lines, uh, veterinary feed directives, uh, also for uh, online Coggins uh, testing, et cetera, okay. uh, for the forms that are required for regulatory purposes. So one day I just decided um, to start investigating as a company continued to grow and grow. Um, I decided to to exit the company and start something new because I do like startups. Uh, this is my third startup. 
And this, um, the technology that I learned about is just the growth in canine medicine and the veterinary profession, uh, the technologies that uh, exist really weren't advancing to the point where we could do remote monitoring. So that's really where vet measure came about as a technology that was developed at Colorado State University uh, in a very early stage. And we were able to uh, license the technology and then bring it from a color-based product all the way uh, to where it is today. And we'll get into that more. Wow. Okay. So you... um I'm curious. What is your what is your background in before you started all these you know businesses and why why veterinary medicine? Um, because it's not at least the way I think about it as a veterinarian. Um, if I were in the business world and I said, "Where's a market where I really want to make a lot of money?" Veterinary medicine's probably not where I would first think. Um, and so again, and maybe that's you know narrow minded. That that's from my little corner of the world. But um, you know, what is there something specific that made you say, I want to get involved in veterinary medicine um, and in that market, so to speak? <laughs> well, back before I started uh, Global VetLink, um, I had worked in, uh, in the technology world mm-hmm. pretty much all my career, bringing um, electronic identification. Worked for a company that brought electronic identification to co- countries all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so doing trials for implantable uh, ID as well as uh, okay. tag ID, uh, then the handheld computer devices that started emerging in, in the marketplace, bringing that technology and then integrating that with software. And so I, so I continued to work my way through the pathway of technology uh, uh, evolution in, in veterinary medicine. I just, I always love working with the profession, um, you know, just very credible, very, uh, compared to other professions that I've worked with in the past, uh, my career has primarily been in the veterinary medicine area, but I really do enjoy uh, the relationships that I've developed over the years awesome. uh, all over the world with veterinarians. I mean, I think veterinarians are pretty great to work with too. So um, I can certainly, mm-hmm. I can certainly relate to that. Um, and it makes sense. You know, you have a love for technology um, and, you know, you find a, an area where you feel comfortable, um, which uh, it, it makes sense. And, and there's certainly lots to explore. I think, you know, when you said you were starting this, um, this startup, you know, three or four years ago, uh, seems sort of prescient now, right? To think, okay, we need to start thinking of ways that we can we can do things remotely. Um, in this moment in time, you know, in in twenty twenty, I can imagine thinking like, yeah, that was <laughs> that was a good idea. Um, <laughs> if only we had more of that, you know, a few years ago, we could have some more things in place. So um, that, that it's good timing, I suppose. So Sydney, you yes. are are not as far along in this field yet, um, having just you know graduated with your your business and animal science um, a degree fairly recently. So, um, you know what were what was your thought on combining those two, um, you know maybe seemingly disparate majors? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just kind of thinking back and walking to my you know genetics classes, my nutrition classes. I'm like, gosh, this is really hard stuff. Um, but I still, I still love the animal industry. And I was like, how can I kind of go on the business side of it? And then I was like, college of business is just right down the sidewalk. So I yeah. just walked over there and then picked up the minor. And I learned so much about, you know, just business law and marketing and finance and um, business management. And I was like, I think I can put these two together. Um, and yeah. then the summer after I graduated, um, one of my friends told me about vet measure and she was working with Kevin and then um, made the connections. And I was like, you know, this is actually really perfect for what I was thinking post-graduation. Um, so that's kind of how that got started. But 
yeah, a lot of the the internal health side of things, I was like, this is all great, but this is not for me. Um, but I'd still like to work with animals. I learned best with them. So it really worked out. And I grew up, um, you know, showing 4-H and with horses and dogs. Nice. So yeah, well, it's important sometimes to learn what you're not suited for just as much as what you are, right? Um, and so, But it, like, you know, it seems like you've done what a lot of people do and say, well, let me take the best of both worlds. You know, like I, I really still mm-hmm. love animals. That doesn't necessarily mean I want to I want to do this. You know, when you're little, I feel like you have one idea of what you can do. And then you get you know older and you're like, oh, there's so many opportunities within this uh, or underneath this umbrella. So, um, well, that's really exciting. It sounds, um, you know, fortuitous that you guys were able to um, to kind of match up and get things going. So, um, so tell me a little bit more, Kevin, about, um, it sounds like you started out working with folks, um, at Colorado state, um, and some, you know, kind of technology or at least some ideas that they were getting started with. And and you said, I can take that and run with it. Yes. Um, I have a, have relationships with vet schools around the country and I decided that, um, I used to live in Colorado and in Colorado state, been up there many times. And I just uh, started inquiring about what technologies maybe are not realized yet. They're, they're maybe in the early development stages and ran across this device uh, that was being, uh, was being tested and uh, kind of prototyped at the vet school with an engineering group. And um, it, it was a color. And so we learned that the color itself has a patent and the patent uh, was issued in um, in 2014. It was uh, so it was not just sitting there as a pending patent. It was issued, and the technology we felt um, has promise in multiple species, not just canine. Yeah. So the initial trials were in canine, and it, the temperature uh, was a key measurement. The surface temperature of the animal uh, contrasted with ambient temperature and ambient humidity for heat stress, heat stroke warning for dogs. Uh, so that was the initial focus. And uh, as I thought about this more, we decided, well, let's take a look at this and how could we make this uh, something that could work in a veterinary practice uh, for post-surgical care, for patients that um, need uh, non-invasive continuous moni- monitoring. And so that's what we came up with uh, the concept and and negotiated uh, with CSU and licensed the technology, and then we went on from there. Gotcha. So they started with a collar, and you said we're gonna we're gonna tweak that. Essentially, we're gonna take that basic concept and expand it. Do more than just temperature monitoring. Um, see what other things you can do. So yours is not a collar; it's more of a harness now. Correct. Correct. Yes, yeah, so we started uh, experimenting with a harness, and we found. Uh, Having a, the uh, sensors around the chest, the thoracic cavity of the animal, we're getting closer. We're closer, obviously, to the heart, lungs, and uh, we were getting much more reliable uh, data for the axillary temperature, which is around the armpits of the animal. Uh, so comparing the axillary temperature to rectal in our studies and also the respiratory rate, uh, chest expansion, contraction, heart rate, uh, we were getting uh, at the initial stages, and, and of course today uh, we've got very reliable data and a study that proves that as well. So that that's a lot of different things going on, though, um, in mm-hmm. in this harness. So I'm thinking about you know so okay, so the main things you're measuring are temperature, like you said, the ambient temperature of the room, um, which is important because if you're measuring you know the external body temperature of the of the pet, that that's going to play a role. Um, so temperature. 
um, axillary temperature, um, which you said you're comparing that to rectal temperature for your, you know, validation, it sounds like, and then mm-hmm. heart rate and respiratory rate, but respiratory rate, you're saying you're, that's based on the expansion of the chest cavity itself. Um, is that, that's how that's being measured. Yes, we have, plus we also have another way of measuring that, which I won't go into great detail on that, but, uh, we, we have sensors that will measure the, uh, uh, also the ECG. Okay. Uh, so we can live stream ECG on the animal. And that's really uh, an important aspect of what we can do uh, uniquely with our harness configuration. So not just heart rate, but also um, electrical activity in the heart more specifically. Um, so mm-hmm. temperature, heart rate, heart rhythm, and respiratory rate are the, are, yeah. is that the big, the big four things that you're, you're measuring. But again, that's a lot of different technology. Um, you know, whether you're talking about movement or electrical activity, um, you know, temperature gauges, things like that. Um, so. You've implied that you guys have done, you know, a fair bit of research comparing those measurements to, you know, some type of gold standard, I, I presume, um, in dogs. And, and so um, tell us how that's going or how it's gone, I guess. Yes, we went through um, a couple different dog colonies where we, we um, built up the uh, test studies and our engineering team was able to... Uh, to build algorithms that help take out the external noise and make sure that we were getting consistent uh, data. We looked at, uh, we researched multiple hair coats, the thin, medium, and thick hair coats, uh, because the sensors obviously needed to test uh, and make sure we were getting uh, temperature, especially, um, we're able to get a consistent uh, reading there. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for a second because in my head, most of the um, the monitoring equipment I use in like an ICU setting for something like that, even um, telemetry or um, you know remote ECG monitoring, we're shaving the fur and so we can get contact with the skin. It sounds like you're saying you don't, we don't have to do that with this monitor. That's correct, Sydney. I'll, I'll let Sydney comment on that. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep, no shaving necessary. All we have for conductivity is there's just an electrode that gets put on each. Uh, heart rate sensor, and mm-hmm. then there is gel for conductivity. Um, or you could use isopropyl alcohol that just doesn't last quite as long because it evaporates. Right. But yeah, no shaving necessary, which owners do appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also just, you know, it's one less step um, having to clip the fur and things like that. And so you're not, you're not seeing a, a major dip in um, kind of reliability um, without, without shaving the fur. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. This whole time I was picturing having to like place everything uh, just so is it, is it pretty, um, I, you know, I saw some pictures of it and it seems like it's fairly tucked up under the axillary region. Um, and uh, is it just one, like what's keeping it from slipping around? It's very, yeah, it's very lightweight and we do have um, uh, a small, medium and large mm-hmm. size. So it's, it's important that you measure the animal and make sure that, uh, you know, that we can, that we're applying the correct size to the right animal mm-hmm. uh, to keep her from sliding. And then also we have uh, multiple straps and there's a tension guide on it. So it tells you how tight, not, you know, with green, green, red. Uh, okay. Uh, 
cover uh, confirmation of the uh, strap so they can tell okay. exactly where it should be tight. So it'll give through. the person applying it. So in theory, even you know, a client or somebody with minimal training could could you know use this to put it on correctly. Because if you put it on too tight, that's going to affect you know how you're measuring breathing. It's also going to be uncomfortable for the animal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, other impacts. So um, th- and that's one of the struggles we have in veterinary medicine in general, right? Is that our patients come in all shapes and sizes. So mm-hmm. you know, a, an overweight bulldog versus you know maybe a, a greyhound or you know that gets to be challenging. Um, is that something that you guys have have looked at? Is is um, you know, putting these on different shape sizes and, and comparing the the consistency of results there. Yes, we have. So you could comment on that too, please. Uh, yeah, so I can comment a little bit on the sizing. Um, so it's just you, we provide a tape measure as well in the box, and you just measure the chest circumference of the animal. So um, so it doesn't slip off because it's, it's going to go. I'm going to use my equine background knowledge a little bit under the heart girth and then over the rithers of the animal. And then we do have elastic straps that crisscross in the front. Okay. Um, and then one change, one engineering change we made before we put these specific harnesses on the market was we went from an adjustable strap um, in the front to ones that are just elastic, but they don't adjust just because people weren't tightening it enough or they were going okay. too tight, like you said. Um, and then the, either it was uncomfortable or the, the measure, the temperature measurement wasn't accurate. So gotcha. um, we kind of eliminated that user error um, aspect of it. But so as long as they're kind of yeah, within range as, between small, medium and large, those elastic bands will sort of adjust naturally working. Yep. And that's yep. not where the measurement is. That's right. for what's holding it in place up front. Is that right? Right. Yep. It measures based on the chest circumference. Yep. So the it goes within like five inches per size of harness of the animal, which... So do you, are, there's, I mean, there's probably still going to be some patients that maybe they're just too big or too small. Is that, is that, are you finding that that's true? Or, I mean, maybe not routinely, but um, is it possible then that mm-hmm. there are some patients that are just, this isn't going to work for them right now? Yeah, I actually had, I used to have a, like a blue healer beagle mix. So mm-hmm. he was just kind of like, he would have fit the small in the front, but then he was too thin for the, um, the respiratory sensor function of it. And it's just because he's, you know, mixed breed, kill a wonky belt. So we are going to come across some of those. Yeah. Um, But they are based on, um, I think, a lot of the pure breed standards from the engineering trials. Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge, though, because they come in, you know, not just different sizes, but like you said, different shapes. Um, And that's always a challenge. But so you you implied just there that, you know, maybe maybe some of the functions would still work and others would not. Um, So it it doesn't necessarily render the whole thing useless, just like, okay, well, we're not going to trust that particular measurement. Is there any system like when, um, you know, so if, if a veterinary, you know, clinic has this and they're like, oh, this is kind of a weird shaped animal. Um, is there some sort of internal, maybe not a calibration, but uh, would you recommend that people just kind of test it out when they put it on and say, okay, well, this, the readout is saying the heart rate is this and I'm feeling the pulse and it's saying the heart rate is something different. Or is, is there anything that folks can do to test that? Or if there is a discrepancy, um, something that they can do to adjust? I don't know if that's a Kevin or a Sydney question. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, do you want to comment on that? Um, they would be able, <clears throat> excuse me, they would be able to um, put it on the animal uh, initially is, is a good idea to make sure that they can, that the numbers are reasonable and what they would expect. And uh, that way they would know, yes, I have the right fit. I have the right amount of gel. Um, the sensors are, are correctly attached. Um, straps are correct, correctly in place. So yes, that's a that's a a good idea. Just don't put it on and expect the data to be 
accurate from from the first 10 minutes uh, unless you did a little bit of um, you know just examination of how the, how the uh, fit is yeah now so my background is in critical care and so the first thing I think of is a lot of times when new technology comes out whether it's a new blood pressure monitoring tool or a pulse oximeter or whatever it happens to be is all of the initial testing gets done in normal healthy animals which is not what I deal in. And so, um, you know, you know, the, what have you guys been able to do or are you planning to do to assess the use of something like this in animals who are not doing well? Um, so yeah, if their heart rate is within this range, it's great. But what if it goes really, really high or really, really low, or if their respiratory, if the, you know, if a dog is panting, what effect does that have on, you know, measurement capabilities, things like that? Cause that's where I'm going to be most interested, right? Is I want to know when things are going wrong and is it reliable then? Mm -hmm. Yes, we've had all kinds of cases and uh, case studies with um, the panting is a great example uh, in how do we knock out the noise uh, related to panting so we, we don't interfere with other uh, measurements. And so um, our, our system was, uh, we've been, spent a lot of time on uh, the firmware and the software. Uh, we have a mobile app. So the veterinarians can set the highs and lows mm -hmm. so they can preset those highs and lows based on that patient, uh, based on is, is it a, uh, a condition that you just mentioned or is it a fairly healthy patient that we don't, we're not too concerned about uh, them going out of range uh, so they can maybe set the ranges a little bit uh, differently. So it's really up to the to veterinarian to um, and techs to be able to understand we have a quick start guide understand how to put it on how to how to make sure that the uh, the gel is applied properly and the readings make sense from from the very start nice um it's always nice to be able to adjust your own call orders or your own alarm, um, you know, because one dog is, is not the same as the next and, and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. um, it, it strikes me. So I'm, I'm thinking about this in terms, you know, wearable tech for people is, is huge right now, right? Between, you know, Fitbits and Apple Watches and other other such things. Um, is this, it sounds like right now you guys are, are primarily marketing this to veterinarians, veterinary clinics. This is something they can use. Um, is have you guys given any thought to, you know, what happens when clients decide they, they want it for themselves? Um, is that something you guys are exploring and would that, what, how would that change things for you guys? Yes, we are really, uh, we're constantly looking down the road as to where our product will evolve over time. And of course, with the telemedicine, telehealth aspects um, that have, have becoming, becoming more and more common now uh, and companies that are emerging in those, uh, in those areas. Um, there's a need for at-home monitoring. Uh, we're focused on the veterinary practice to start with mm -hmm. as we establish the company's first release. And uh, we gain, we want to gain knowledge and credibility among the veterinary profession that can communicate. They can be the educator to the clients rather than the other way around, which doesn't work very well in our perspective. Uh, and I think that uh, our, our long-term well, really, our long-term goal is to be able to provide a really super reliable methodology, non-invasive device within the vet practice that integrates with their practice management software. And then ultimately, they can choose to either rent or resell a device to a client um, for at-home monitoring, either it's a full surgical monitoring uh, for the first day or two, or it's a chronic yeah. patient that they want to uh, have more information on. 
That makes sense. So your your goal is still to say, if it ultimately gets um, to the clients directly, that's through their veterinarian so that they have a point of contact for what do I do with this information, um, mm-hmm. which certainly makes a, a lot of sense. Um, you know, from my perspective, somebody calling up and saying, my dog has a harness on and it says this. And it's like, okay, I don't know anything about your pet. I'm not sure what to do with that right now. But um, so yeah, that certainly makes a lot more sense to, you know, but you can market that as something to the veterinarians as well. Like you have, you know, uh, well, most clinics aren't open 24 seven and you know, the, the veterinarian wants to have, you know, some information on that note, does it um, store, you know, data for a certain amount of time? Um, so like, will it, will you are, you, are you able to store trends or can I go back tomorrow morning and say, okay, let me look at the ECG. What happened overnight? And were there any issues that I need to be aware of? Is that something that um, it's capable of doing? Yes, we have we have storage capability on the device, and we also produce patient reports. So I'll let Sydney touch on that a bit. Yeah, so harnesses actually get hooked up to the clinic Wi-Fi. So, for example, if you left the patient overnight for more extra monitoring, the harness would be on, and um, you'd set the check-in interval to however every one minute, every five minutes, every twenty minutes. And then if you wake up in the middle of the night restless, like, I wonder what's going on with this patient, you can open up the vet measure app on your phone and you can see how that patient's doing um, based on the last check-in interval. Um, for the ECG, you'd have to be within 20 yards or 20 feet of the um, device, but you can see temperature, heart rate, respiratory rate, and relative activity level, along with, you know, the battery percentage of the harness and, and the ambient conditions as well. So um, it does it does store that. Um, and then for the ECG o- overnight, it'll take a silent one and then it sends it to our back end, which then we can download a patient report and send it to you in the morning. Be like, this is what okay. happened overnight. And you can see all that data. So I can see what's happening in real time. And then tomorrow I can say, I want to download and, and see the trends of what happened overnight. Yes, exactly. And so how um, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by... Um, not not just this product, but products in general that allow you to evaluate ECG without the old fashioned metal clips everywhere. Um, you know, I've seen like iPhone apps where you just like hold it up to the animal and it will give you something. But what I'm I'm skeptical of is, you know, how accurate can that really be? Now yours um, without um, any direct contact with the skin, or I know you're you're using. Um, like ECG gel or electrode gel um, to get better contact, but with it just over the chest, what um, you know, what kind of an ECG tracer are you getting? Is it looking like our uh, you know we, we would typically expect with a three or a six lead ECG, or um, what kind of adjustments do um, veterinarians have to make in, t- in order to interpret that information? Is that Sydney? Is that you? Yeah, Sydney, please. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to try to show you a picture of a screenshot that I took. If that works, I know this is over a podcast. That's okay. I can kind of describe what, what you're showing me. Right. So this is actually one I just took on my dog the other day. So this is the kind of ECG that we can get. All right. So for the listeners, it's, it looks like a pretty standard lead to ECG to me. So you've got a nice positive and lead to um, P wave, pretty normal, narrow QRS complex. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it, it looks like a pretty standard ECG to me. So um, you'll have to take my word for it, or maybe we can we can get a picture that we can post. Uh, um, yeah, when absolutely. We put this up later. So, um, well, that's um, that's always helpful to know too that um, it's not going to look like a weird, you know, lead five ECG that I have to relearn how to interpret ECG if that's not something I do routinely. So, um, right. So you guys have you're you're getting ready to get this out onto the market, or it's already on the market. Where are you in in that process? Uh, earlier part of the year, we re- we released the first. We have a first release and uh, out into vet practices. So uh, we wanted to make sure that we've got 
we've got some uh, information from various type of practices and uh, use cases. And uh, we've been able to apply what we're learning to improving the app and the user experience because as we ramp up our production, we definitely want to uh, make sure that uh, out of the box user, user experience is uh, as best as it can be. Uh, there's no, um, there's no uh, easy uh, pathway where you put it on, turn it on, and you're you're ready to go. It's you know you've got you've got to download the app, connect to Wi-Fi. Yeah. There's several steps you go through uh, because uh, it it but it does have a lot of advantages that you won't have from of course the manual uh, manually connected uh, clips that you put on an animal to measure various uh, you know various metrics that you would have in a practice. So the portability, the non-invasiveness uh, is something that's really uh, of interest. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what kind of feedback are you getting? Sydney, you're probably talking with people about that. What are your, you know, what are the concerns people have? What's working? What's not? You know, what are some changes maybe you guys have made since that initial rollout um, to, to try to make things a little bit better? Yeah. One of the biggest changes that we just um, implemented this week was Wi-Fi confirmation. So we used mm-hmm. to, when you connected it in the app, it just kind of you type in your Wi-Fi credentials for the clinic and then it just kind of went away. And then you're like, did it connect? Did it not? So now we actually have confirmation of, Hey, the harness connected. Hey, it didn't. Um, but a lot, I've heard, I've heard a lot of different use cases, um, which is kind of troubling on my end when I talk to other people about, Hey, use this on the patients you're most worried about, or use this on the mm-hmm. patients that you're not as worried about, but you still want to monitor them. Cause I hear both sides. Yeah. Um, I hear some where they had to, there was like a heart arrhythmia during surgery or they had to put the patient under again. So then they put a harness on them to double check to make sure everything was okay in recovery because she's also monitoring a bunch of different other patients. Um, And then I've heard other ones where like, I think this needs to be on every patient, even if it's not critical care, just to make sure that extra monitoring is happening because sometimes techs get busy with other things. And if it's breathing and it like looks fine in the kennel, then they kind of leave it. And that's, you know, that's the extent of the monitoring that happens. So a wide variety that we're really trying to narrow down and uh, some of our next harnesses that we get from our manufacturing team. Um, we're really looking to implement into clinics where we can get their advice um, or cl- their use cases. And then also um, using an app is not normal in the, you know, in the monitoring phase of um, the patient in, in the clinic. So um, a lot of feedback based on just like disrupting the current monitoring methods mm-hmm. and what you want to see in this app is another thing that we're wanting to look at to get from veterinarians and technicians, really, because they're going to be a lot of the big users of the product also. Um, so we're still looking to get more information like that. But um, yeah, we do have a wide use case uh, that I hear about right now, um, which is it's cool. It's just hard to narrow down of okay, well, we're just really going to. Yeah. yeah. So it depends on, you know, the individual user and what they were hoping for it to be. Everybody kind of has their own imagination. I'm doing the same thing in my head. Right. Um, and then so it's also um, it's funny, though, because you think you spend all this time, all these years. Right. Kevin, on de- developing the technology and get everything just so. And it turns out it was the interface with the user that is causing, um, you know, maybe some some more of the hiccups that you just you don't think about. Right. Like even just confirming the Wi-Fi. Um, it's little mm-hmm. things that, you know, reassure folks that until you don't know what you don't know. Um, so you do have to kind of get it out there. Um, but it sounds like you guys are, you know, looking for that feedback and pretty receptive and able um, to, to be nimble and make those changes. Um so what, what's the next steps for you guys? 
The next step is our, our first production run. We, as we move um, into the fall, um, our production run will be uh, we'll be setting up a uh, pre-order mm-hmm. uh, option opportunity for veterinarians. So they'll be able to uh, to jump on the uh, our first production run, and uh, we spend a lot of time making sure that our our first product, uh, as we crank up our production numbers, uh, has has a reliability out, you know out, right out out of the factory and it's made here in in the U.S. and we have the ability to make sure that the, that when it's delivered to the client and they open it with the quick start guide. And as Sydney mentioned, the Wi-Fi connectivity and the app download, we just want to make sure that, uh, you know, those are all uh, really functioning to the point where, you know, the average the average attack or uh, veterinarian in terms of their average, meaning their average experience with technology uh, can allow them to put this into practice usage right away. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't want it sitting in the box, right? You want it, you know, mm-hmm. use it, use it. Um, and uh, that, that's kind of the idea. So from my perspective, um, you know, being in an academic setting, um, I'm always, you know, what, what future um, research projects you guys have are, you know, still collecting data. Um, and, and do you have anything um, out there already as far as um, that's been published um, as far as, you know, reliability or validity research that you guys have or something we could direct people to? Yes, the the uh, IVAX uh, conference last year in DC, uh, there was a uh, there was a poster session presented, an abstract presented um, on our temperature measurements through our studies at with Colorado State University. Awesome. So that was the initial study, and then uh, since then we've done additional, we've done multiple studies. Um, they haven't been published yet, but we've got some data from. Uh, from different colonies where we've done some research on uh, our, our heart rate and respiratory rate and other aspects of our and ECG as well. And, and some private clinical studies too. Excellent. So uh, yeah, so the IVEX uh, uh, extract would be, in, uh, would be the initial one that would show the, the uh, validation of our temperature sensing. Awesome. So I can go back to the 2019 proceedings and, and find that one. And then um, yes. do you guys have any um, any that you know of any plans for future studies? Um, are you still collaborating with folks at Colorado or now you're, you're kind of based in Ames, Iowa, um, outside of Iowa State? You, you guys working with those folks? Yeah, we've had some experience working with Iowa State and, and other vet schools as well. And so in terms of getting our next formal study going, um, we, we wanted to wait for our production, first production run. As we get to that, to that stage, we'll be, we'll be better suited to have more product that can go to additional vet schools for studies on, on canine. And we're looking at different uh, type of, uh, uh, of protocols that could uh, maybe one could focus more on cardiac, one could focus more on the respiratory or post-op. Yeah. There's different options we can look into. Uh, and ultimately, we wanted to move on to other species. Yeah, so that was my adventures. next question. What about the kitty cats? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Um, I'm a dairy farm boy from Iowa and spent a lot of time uh, with calves and milk cows. And yeah, so, our uh, foaling season for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with foaling, with city's experience and horses. And and I spent a lot of time working with uh, the equine industry with my previous company. Uh, so we we know that there's an interest in uh, foals, birth to weaning, and mm-hmm. uh, dairy beef calves, birth to weaning, weaning, 
And then uh, that's where our initial focus would be as we expand. Awesome. Um, yeah, you always got to you got to start somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it seems like once you have that, it's just then figuring out what what's working, you know, obviously scaling it up and down. But then there's always uh, it seems like just physiologic differences that, you know, you have to account for um, just what, you know, what the normal reference ranges for, uh, you know, different species are and, and what impact does that have? And if you have animals that are outside, you know, living primarily outside, what effect does that have on the ambient temperature? Diff- you know, is that I can I can just imagine all sorts of challenges, um, you know, oh, good. It's all muddy now because it was hanging out around a foal and, you know animals make everything a little more challenging, don't they? Um, yes. but, um, but, but pretty exciting. Um, and you know, it's always, it's always nice, um, for me at least to have people out there who are like, Hey, it's not just about human medicine and there are unique challenges. Cause this is, this is obviously not something that you're going to say, Oh yeah. And, and then eventually we're going to do this in human medicine and that's where the real money is. Um, it's nice to have like somebody who's like, no, we're, we're dedicated to, you know, just what we can do in veterinary medicine. And there's a, there's a real need there. So, um, so that's certainly appreciated. Um, and, and yeah, I love the idea, you know, uh, like I said, it's non-invasive should be user friendly. Um, you know, uh, I haven't, I haven't used it. I I haven't seen one other than, you know, just in pictures right now. So, um, but, uh, but I, I look forward to to seeing more about it and, and hope, uh, hope everything goes well and wish you guys the best for uh, your big rollout. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you both, and uh, and actually, and my, uh, when you just tell me what you want to say, Topher's saying something. Oh, who? Oh, how do people contact you? Yeah, if somebody is interested, and what is that? What you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll put some stuff on the actual uh, on when we post on the podcast, but maybe you guys can can say how people can um, reach out to you if you've got a uh, website or other contact information. Okay. Good idea. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, we have a um, schedule a demo if you want to see actually how the harness works. I am more capable than um, to have a harness on a dog here and then give someone login credentials to our app and they can actually see the readings live. Um, so we do that in our demo. Um, otherwise, info at vetmeasure.com is one of our email addresses that you can use. And our phone number is 515-296-4243. Perfect. So info at vetmeasure.com? Yes. Perfect. And so and then the website is just vetmeasure.com? Correct. Yeah. Perfect. That was easy. Um, uh, so we'll put those up um, when we post this on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. There'll be some content. And then also on the Fireside um, yeah, home base website for the podcast. Um, but uh, Sydney and Kevin, thank you both for taking the time. It was it was a pleasure meeting you. And uh, and maybe we'll we'll talk again soon. Yes. Great. Thanks thank for having so us much. on. Appreciate your time. All right. Take care. Thank mm-hmm. you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.